Big Show's in control right now. But he hasn't been able to pin the champion. Oh, not another Go one. Go for it again. I think that's a great move right there by, Les uh, by, by Big Show. Go for another choke slam. Wait a minute. Where the hell's he? Where's Big Show taking Lesnar? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. Big Show's doing here. Big oh. Show with that, that hand wrapped around the neck of Lesnar, but tough to break that grip when you hit the tall beat out him. Where the hell is Big Show going? Ladies and gentlemen, Big Show ain't no cruiserweight. He's 500 pounds. Where the hell's he going? Big Show got caught up on the top turnbuckle. Big Show's in a land where he doesn't belong on those ropes. And Brock Lesnar looks to take advantage. Oh, here comes Brock now. Here comes Brock. The champion. Oh, whoa. Wait a minute. No. Oh, my God. No. Lesnar with the, with the no. coming close to the back. No freaking way. Is he setting Big Show up? Superplex. No, he can't do this. A 500-pound superplex. Brock Lesnar to the top rope. No. Top rope. A 500-pound superplex. There's a mix. Look at this, look at this angle right here, this shot right here. You'll see the whole ring contained here. Look at that, 800 pounds. Oh, man. Take another look. Look at this, the straight up angle here. I wonder what, I wonder what that registered on the Richter scale. It's like an earthquake. I hope that both Brock Lesnar and the Big Show are okay here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, running out of time here, but it, you know it's it, it's a damn shame that the that this championship match, a hell of a match, had to end in this manner. I, I don't know what to say. It's not much to say. We just hope both Big Show and Brock Lesnar's health they're intact. I mean, a lot of medical personnel out there. Again, I've never, ever seen go. anything like this. This is amazing. Let's just listen to it.
is going on there, Reflection Nights? Yes, yes, it is the last August of the summer. It's the last weekend of the summer. And you know what that means? The PWR podcast here at the PWRSnetwork.com is going to be going on a little summer break, a little summer hiatus, if you will. But before that, we have to close the summer. We got to end the summer on a great note. And what better way to end the summer than giving something that my partner in crime wanted, to give a people's choice, a TW choice, a dum-dum duo choice, an iron stomach choice, a conservative, liberal, liberal, conservative choice. You know the spiel here at the PWR Podcast. Well, before that, you know, before we even go on a hiatus, I want to thank the Magnificent Seven. I want to thank the Elite Eight. I want to thank the Naughty Nine. I want to thank the Hamenites. I want to thank the Hammerites. I want to thank the PWCites. I want to thank the Vetoites. Y'all make this enjoyable for me, but again, you know, real life situations have to happen, so the PWR will be going on hiatus, but don't fret. The new fall season will be coming. New episodes, new episodics, new movies, new rivalries, new spotlights, and of course, a new platform episode. Untapped potential is coming. And now, I got all that out the way. I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. And of course, I'm I'm kind of dragging it along for a special reason. For all the video people, if this gets uploaded for YouTube, I'll explain to the, all the audio reflection in a second. But I am that man. I am that studious man. I am that stupendous man. But most importantly, I am that glorious man. The only objective man in the IDC, The only objective man in this political punditry. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabella Cruz. And finally, I introduce my man, my brother from another mother, the man who's been patiently holding up an RK Bro shirt. He wanted to flaunt it off. He wanted to do a maximum male models kind of pose. And I told him, do it this way. But he's been holding it. It's not, he's, he's not frozen reflection nights on the YouTubes. He has just been sitting patiently waiting to be introduced. He is your friend of mine. He is the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, the iron stomach one, Mr. Wonderful. Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, my. That's the best rib you ever played on me, ever. If I knew you were going to take that long, my arms were giving out the whole time. I do. That's not That's not a dumbbell. It's a shirt. It's a shirt. to do with the show we're doing either, but I got a surprise for you. And damn it, we should be getting sponsors with all the toys I show. But you know what came in the mail yesterday and I didn't even know because my kids came and let my dog out while I was at a wedding? What was that? Ooh, a pro wrestling crate. So I'm going to open it right here in front of you, and you can see the disdain on my face when I see, because this is going to be high AEW content, and you're going to see the disgust on my face. The reason I ordered it is because it said in this box, and it has Owen Hart stuff, Adam Cole stuff, and mm-hmm. I think Daniel Bryan, I'm not sure. I'm sorry, Bryan Danielson. Um, but there's other people, too. So I'm going to open it up, and it's going to be Moxley and Kingston shit, and I'm going to throw it out the window. Let's see. You ready? Uh, don't, don't forget, it's going to be some punk shit, too. It's an exclusive. Before we go on the hiatus, Tommy Wonder is opening a pro wrestling crate 
for all the audio reflectionites. Again, if this goes on to YouTube, A-Track Ron's a slow motherfucker, but he will upload <laughs> it sooner or later. All right, but check it out. And I already found out by opening this up, I'm going to order August's crate, too, because Kenny Omega, I like that guy. Uh, you do? Ric Flair, who, who doesn't like that guy? Mm -hmm. Rick Baker, only by association I like her. Candice LeRae, you know I like her. Tyler Breeze, I don't got a problem with him. And Greg the Hammer Valentine, he, he's the wild card, but I respect him. But guess who else's name is on this card? You have to uh, know. If I got this one for Adam Cole, who's the other name? You got Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Next month's card. Oh, Johnny Gargano. My man. Because you read, I, I even threw Candice LeRae out there as a little breadcrumb, and you got it. And it, it mm -hmm. oh no. Ah, oh, this just told me what I got. And I did, I got the shirt I didn't want. I knew it. Travis is going to laugh. You, you got an Eddie Kingston shirt? No, worse. No, no. There's nothing worse than Eddie Kingston. Oh, I like that shirt. You got an FTR shirt. The, the living legend. thing I like about this is it doesn't say their fucking name on it. Well, it says FTR, but people, it's a star, and it says mm -hmm. living legend. So my friends who are going to see me wearing this shirt, and I will wear it, they're mm -hmm. going to think I'm calling myself a living legend. There's one problem. They got the little rainbow thing on there, so that's going to make some some heads turn. Oh, no. Oh, yes! I What's thought it that? was stupid CM Punk when I saw the hairline, but no. You got a BCC shirt. I don't even think I paid 25 bucks for this thing. Bam! Oh. You got the king of hearts. King of fucking hearts for the king of the nighttime world. That's beautiful. He even says it. All right. What else we got in here? Uh-oh. We got socks. You got some DX socks? Get on board the whole train. Oh. I got Godfather socks. That's awesome. Cause Oh, man, this is different. I didn't expect that. But, mm -hmm. oh, come on. British Bulldog pin. Come on. That's cool. Dude, did they, uh, I think they, uh, track your algorithms. They, they track what you like. So they're trying to, it's been like a, a pro wrestling crate positive, uh, showing for you. Well, there's one problem, and I don't mind it. I don't hate the guy, but I would, I was hoping for the Adam Cole, but I got, this is heavy on kids. But this is pro wrestling crate. This is a, a crapshoot. You are a PWR guy. So you have to get some things from a blast in the past. You got to get nostalgia. Yeah, Harley Race, Micro Bro. King Harley Race. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's a chase. I got the chase. That's a beautiful thing. That means I can sell Harley Race and get Adam Cole and Cody Rhodes. There's a little comic book. Looks like it's Harley Race in the comic book, too. Oh, all in all, I'm pleased with this box. I am. I got an Owen Hart shirt. I got a Living Legend shirt with a star on it that people are just going to think it's me calling myself a legend. It doesn't have their ugly faces on it. Although I did get the figures the other day. I got action figures of the FTR uh, as the revival, because that's what they really are. But well, this, this is that. one time. This is that's one that. time that Big Brother, the Democrats, the, the dirty Democrats got it right where they can actually help TW have a positive experience on Pro Wrestling Crate. Because as that you was, know, Reflection I that, man. I don't think I think I paid like twenty nine bucks shipped or something for that. And that's two T shirts. That right there. A T shirt's thirty five. I got two of them. And one's Owen Hart. There you go. You you got you got two for twenty five. You could say, but neither and I got there. off my next order, so I can do I can do that too. Oh, at pro wrestling. Well, again, we're oh. gonna be on. Oh, what? what? I just realized there was no Adam Cole shit in there, but there was the comic book is Adam Cole. Ah, uh, see. Book. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness, 
King Harley Race Micro Brawler, they only made 250 of the chases, and I got one of them. Well, you're not selling it then. I might, because if I can sell it to get multiples, if I can get me Adam Cole, you gotta wait. You gotta let it. You gotta let it marinate for more. You gotta. You gotta think ahead. Oh. But anyway. Oh, there was something else in there that I didn't. I didn't see. Oh, okay. But I'm gonna give you one more. I'm gonna give you it's one more orgasm, and then we gotta go on with the show because we got a hiatus to do. But you're you're gonna love this. This is your favorite wrestler, dude. Oh man, I didn't even realize. You got Kurt Angle. It's an autograph. Eight by ten. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't that be Adam Cole? Your favorite jobber. Lance Archer? Yes. We'll trade that. I, I, don't know, I don't know how he became my favorite jobber, but neither here nor there. But anyway, TW is happy. He's smiling. It's a positive experience on his pro wrestling crate uh, box uh, reveal reflection. But anyway... We don't do box reveals here on the Pro Wrestling Reflection, the PWR podcast. We do the nostalgic stuff. We go back in the time machines. So, TW, are you ready for one more end of the summer, uh, summer sizzler, summer blockbuster episode, and then we'll get out of here? I am, sir. All right. So, again, like I said, we are doing a TW pick, even though it's some, even though TW has this bad memory that he even asked for this, but the professor remembers this. <laughs> but there there are tapes, there is receipts that TW asked for this. But again, let me give you a little bit of a history lesson on this. I wanted to do a Greatest Rivalries edition between Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. But A&E beat me to it, so I had to, you know, I had to stop that. I had to put the kibosh on that because, you know, I set the trends, Reflection Nights. I don't follow the trends. So I, I put a nix on the Brock Lesnar Kurt Angle. We'll do that down the road, maybe in a couple of months. But neither here nor, you know, the new fall season, Reflection Nights, the new fall season, we'll do, a, we'll do a rivalries edition on that. But TW said on one of the outros, he said, why don't we do a greatest rivalries edition of Brock Lesnar and the big show? So I had to think about it. And of course, there's a reason for TW. So, TW, give that quick reason because basically you're basing this greatest rivalries off of one moment. Is my, am I right or wrong or indifferent? Because I think there's more, there's more of a plot hole. There's more layers, in my yeah. opinion, because I think this is, quote, unquote, an untapped potential greatest rivalries. But I'll explain that later. Go ahead, TW. But here's, here's the thing, right? What, what is your name? What is your surname? Is that what it's called? Surname? Is that the last name? Your pre-name. Okay. The professor. That's what your gimmick. That's what you call yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I pick stuff because I don't really know what's going on. I was wrestling back then at the time. I didn't know all the ins and outs of it. So sometimes it's me picking something so the professor can take me to school. He can teach me what happened back when, when I didn't watch it and I didn't know what's going on. I knew about the ring. I think that's what you're referring to. Um, mm -hmm. Which, by the way, after watching it again, not realizing it was on SmackDown on top of it. Um, that's it, one of the uh, top ten SmackDown moments ever. I, I still, still to this day. I'm on the fence of whether that was legit or if it was a gimmicked ring, because if it were a gimmicked ring, you run the risk of it breaking too early, right? That's a real big risk for live TV. And okay. you have the risk of other wrestlers having it break in their match. And, mm -hmm. and the flip side of that is, well, they're not 500 pounds and 700 and 
50 to 800 pounds combined coming off the top rope together either. However, the way it ended, this is where I think maybe it was a gimmicked ring, is they land there. And I know there's headsets. Vince is talking to the ref. He's talking to the commentators. You could very easily have had a finish there, right? Like a double Mm -hmm. 10 count or whatever. And you didn't know the ring was going to break. And you, you could easily have Vince say, all right, that's, tell him to stay put. That's the finish. We're going on. But the, the, the timing of it, breaking when it did, the show ended like within minutes of it. So it almost looked too perfect for it to be an accident. But like okay. I said, the way it broke, and you watch it over and over again, and that the two ring posts snap, and then the other ones just kind of give way but don't break. So yeah. maybe they did gimmick two posts. And they just probably told everybody to stay on the one side of the ring. Or some clown who makes five bucks an hour was under that ring waiting to remove pins or something so that when they did it, it, it broke. But either way, it's – how did you describe it? Top what? It's a top ten SmackDown moment to this day. It's probably top five, you know, you know, mm-hmm. without thinking of other stuff that happened on there. But – it's 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 the perfect storm. If it was not a gimmicked ring, it is it absolutely was a perfect storm. There it, it couldn't have worked out better for him. Neither guy got hurt. And I'll tell you what, watching su- watching that suplex come, I was like, Big Show's gonna kill him because Big Show pushed off on on Brock's leg, like mm-hmm. trying to prop up. And I'm like, that's gonna make him fall backwards instead of being able to extend out. But they still did it. He did some belly to backs, but but. But the, the one thing that I would have critiqued in it, and I know we're going to talk about this stuff, but the one thing I would have critiqued in it, and this is where I have questions for you because maybe he did it, we watched another match that we're probably going to talk about later on, which is you, you set it up perfectly to like lead into the next rivalries, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But Big Show should have been doing a move on TV to explain why he would even go to the top row. That was my only critique of it because mm-hmm. I took by the reaction of the commentators when he climbed the ropes, and, and I get this part too. He climbed the ropes, and one of them goes, he's not a cruiserweight. The Big Show's going to top rope like they were stunned by it. But I would expect that moment to be at WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Hell in the Cell, even Royal Rumble main event. For it to be on SmackDown, it's almost a waste in a telegraph. Like, you, okay, you knew he was doing it. I understand where you're going, but this is why I call it an untapped potential greatest rivalries because, again, I think you're basing this Per se, and I think Reflection Eyes might look at the professor and say, why are you, this ain't the greatest rivalries ever, one of the greatest rivalries ever. I think because of this, what you're talking about is one of the greatest moments in a rivalry because it's very pristine, it's, it's very objective right there. It's that one moment that mo- 9 out of 10 hardcore wrestling fans will always remember. That's why I said, like you said, it could be a top 5. I say it's a top 10 SmackDown moment still to this day. There's 1,200 episodes of SmackDown. It's been on for 25 years. So, give you know, with a grain of salt. This, this was 20 years ago. So Right. So, so it, it's, you've had 20 years for something to undo it. and, and has Right. It. But I also think it's, it's, it's a good rivalry because, and the reason I brought it up to you was, at the time when I brought it up, I had seen a few clips of it, not the mm-hmm. ring breaking, but them. Right. And I don't think anyone's going to put Brock Lesnar. Uh, I mean, he's probably improved leaps and bounds since 03 as far as having good matches. But I don't think anyone's putting him on their Mount Rushmore of, of, of 
workers. You know what I mean? Like, I hate saying workers because I still think Hulk Hogan worked crowds, so he's a good worker. But wrestler, if we're going to fucking, we're just going to be sub- subjective. Wrestler. So, <laughs> science, how about that? And okay. you're never going to put Big Show on there. But for me with these two, they had good matches, and they did the right thing. They were short. They weren't 30-minute, you know, Iron mm-hmm. Man matches. And if you ask me, they beat the shit out of each other. When I watch them, especially the stretcher match, they're killing each other with these stretchers and then killing okay. each other with chairs. So that's why I think it's a good rival. It was intense. I think it, it, it is intense. I'll give you that. I think it's an untapped potential greatest rivalry for a specific reason. They actually needed each other because of the timing. And let me start with, because Brock Lesnar is very easy. I think it's very, you know, cut and dry, TW. And I'll say this. 2002, he's already, you know, it's a moonshot push, if you will, Reflectionites. He's already the king of the ring. He's already being, you know, represented by one of the greatest managers in the history of professional wrestling. And that's Paul Heyman. He's already... He already beat Rock at SummerSlam 2002 to become one of the youngest heavyweight champions in wrestling history. He already defeated Undertaker, you know, in a hell in a cell to garner even more uh, mystique, you know, building a legacy for himself. And, of course, T.W., he was called the next big thing. But, of course, the dance partner was needed, too. And that was the big show, Paul White. So, T.W., let me say this, and then I want you to retort back on on this. Big Show Paul White, let's put it this way, seven foot at the time, 515 pounds. You could see, you know, he's bigger, stockier in the WWE than he was in WCW. You said he doesn't go, you know, you you said that that line from maybe Taz, like he's not a cruiserweight, but in WCW, what was he doing in, in 95, 96? He was going off the top rope. He was doing drop kicks. Because yep. he wanted to prove a point that he was one of the most agile big men in the history of wrestling. He was an athlete. But neither here nor there. But let's, let's look at the timeline for the big show. He comes in with the Thunder in 95, you know, debuting against Hulk Hogan and all this stuff. He has, you know, he has a monster angles with the NWO. He has monster angles with Luger and Sting. Yada, yada, yada. Ric Flair, one of the youngest WCW heavyweight champions. So he had his own rocket ship push. Comes into WWE in 99, who does he start with? Who does he get introduced with? Stone Cold Steve Austin, one of the greatest names in, in wrestling history. You can't get a better debut than that. It was a coup that the big show, Paul White, you know, jumped to WWE. But by the time it's 2002 TW, you and I can agree, what was the disadvantage that big show Paul White had that Andre did? Overexposure. You're seeing them on every Monday night. You're seeing them on every SmackDown. You're seeing them on every monthly pay-per-view. So sooner or later, you know, he's losing matches. He was a former WWE champion. Don't get me wrong, TW. But by 2002, he needed this match. He needed this program from 2002 to 2003, respectively, not only to get a jolt in his career, but, of course, Brock Lesnar needed somebody to accentuate his push, to accentuate him being the next big thing. What say you about the term that they both needed each other for that same reasons? One of the matches that we watched, Kurt Angle does commentary, and when Brock Lesnar gives Big Show a belly-to-belly overhead suplex, Jeff, or Jeff, uh, Kurt Angle says, who else but Brock Lesnar could do that? So, 
Brock Lesnar could toss anybody around. He talks Cena around, Orton around, definitely Rey Mysterio, definitely Matt Hardy, definitely all the smaller guys he wrestled. So for him, and he's still relatively young, like even their first match versus the fourth one that I watched, he got better in just that time, right? And mm-hmm. he's obviously way better now. Um, he's he's another one with that damn Ronda Rousey, uh, Kurt Angle, not Kurt Angle, Daniel Bryan, where they can't stop smiling in the ring. That that annoys me with everyone else except him because when mm-hmm. he does it, he looks maniacal, right? Because he right. smiles after he takes a bump. He looks like of, a sociopath smiling. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and especially another iconic moment is Brock sitting up and looking at the taker and taker sitting up and breaking character and lapping at him with his tongue out. Like he's angry, right? Like right. that's a moment Brock has that. So you're absolutely right. For one big show took on like, the next big thing, the whole built-in angle. I was the next big thing long before you were, blah, blah, blah. But it mm-hmm. legitimized Big Show again because on top of oversaturated, he had become kind of a clown, right? Obviously, he's super clown by the time he leaves to go to AEW. You know, he's just he's a comedy guy, right? And right. that's not his fault. He, he probably became that in later years because physically he probably can't do a lot of stuff that he used to do because um, mm-hmm. he's taking bumps, man. Like, so, so... I would say, to answer your question, Big Show needed him because Big Show needed someone that could make him work, like to suplex him, to bump him. Nobody else could do that, right? Kurt Angle mm-hmm. did. Jeff, uh, right. John Cena did. I keep looking at this fucking Jeff Hardy action figure in front of me and saying this damn name when I go to say something. But then Brock needed someone to make him look like the underdog and then him rise above it and just toss him around too. So you, it, it was perfect. The two of them, um, who else are you going to do it with? You know, because... Even if the oddities were still around, or or Giant Gonzalez, or Kurg, what that was the big dude, Kali, it, those right. guys can't work. Big Show it, can't it, work. It wasn't surprising that uh, Brock Lesnar could pick up big guys because during this run, he picked up people like the A Train. He picked up people like Rikishi. So you know they were already over three hundred fifty pounds on top of five hundred pounds. You know what I mean? So, like, I compare, like, once you get to the big show level, do you remember, like, um, back in the Monday Night War days, uh, Lex Luger? Oh, yeah, $100 already. You're already <laughs> starting to sell it. God damn you. Like, you're already where'd, where'd you get that? And I'm like, this. he goes, that's worth 100 bucks. There's, like, four or five more selling for, like, 65 and 58 right now. That's why I said keep just wait. But anyway, now you almost made me lose my train of thought. Like I said, if I can compare, like, remember when Lex Luger back in the Monday Night Wars and Nitro, he was doing the torture act and, you know, he was doing it with bigger guys. And then it was the levels before he got to the he got to Big Show. And by the time he kind of like almost did it to the giant, it came, it was so easy. He did it to like Roadblock. He did it to like, like, I don't know, maybe like John Tenta and stuff like that. But he had to work to get to that level. It's the same thing with, with Brock Lesnar. When he did the F5 to FA train, when he did the F5 to Rikishi. He's working his way up to the to the behemoths, the larger than life guys, and then Big Show is the largest of the larger of life guys in the WWE because Vince McMahon loved the Big Show. Vince McMahon probably would have loved to make Big Show his Andre the Giant of the you know the twenty first century uh, TW, but again, like we said, it was oversaturation. It's hard to do all that stuff. But let's get to another advantage of this untapped potential greatest rivalry tw that maybe you might have forgot it is 2002 and what happened in 2002 tw that was very precedent for for big show's career do you remember austin retired 
No. The draft. The, the draft. split. The split between Raw and SmackDown. And who was running SmackDown booking and writing and all that stuff? Paul, Paul Heyman. So Paul Heyman, what is the, the greatest uh, attribute of Paul Heyman? He always says this. I accentuate the positives. Well, he's, you know, he's a very shrewd mind of the business, but he accentuates the positives and tries to hide the negatives. And Paul Heyman had a big test. You said it yourself. By the time it's 2002, he was, he's not a clown per se, but his stock is plummeting. It's Wall Street. It's crypto. It's plummeting, plummeting, plummeting. But Paul Heyman took the challenge of making the big, what happened? You got a text? It's like crypto. It's plummeting, plummeting, plummeting. Yeah, it is. But anyway, Paul Heyman took this diamond in the rough in the big show and turned him into a monster in, in the span of maybe about a month and a half. He changed his look. He put some black trousers on. He had his, you know, he suspenders. Didn't last long. They, got rid of they didn't last long, but he had to change the look first. So this way people could stop, you know, stop comparing him to Andre the Giant. So he gave him a little credence. It gave him a little swag and whatever. So now let's talk about 2002. Again, Brock Lesnar is the champion. And, you know, TW, he needs, he needs, you know, to be fed some challengers. Of course, you could say, was he fed The Undertaker in Hell of a Cell? You know, that's debatable, TW. But now the big show is the, the SmackDown storyline. Now big show is working until Survivor Series 2002, TW. And the main thing was Paul Heyman was getting into Brock Lesnar's head saying that he's too big, he's too monstrous, you can't pick him up, you can't F5 him. So he's already setting the tone for this storyline. So what say you about building towards Survivor Series? Because again, like you said, the, you know, the optics is there. Brock Lesnar being, what, 6'4", 275 pounds, give or take, TW, he's coming in as the underdog. The monster is an underdog against the big show. What say you about this? That's, Survivor that's, Series build that, That's brilliant selling for the fact that I don't remember how over Brock was. Um, times when I'm watching the promos and stuff, I can't tell if he's the heel or if, or if Big Show's the heel because Paul Heyman being with him almost makes him the heel. But mm -hmm. the crowd reactions were almost pro-Brock. So it was a slow burn to turn him face, too. Um, but But just to give you a little taste of how long ago this was, when Brock is sitting there listening to Paul talk all that stuff, like, you can't do this, you can't do that, he got mad at Paul, like, dude, I'm Brock. And he picked mm -hmm. up a TV and slammed it on the floor, and it was a tube TV that there's probably... Big-ass ones that I almost broke my back off. <laughs> never seen that TV before and thought, what the hell was that thing? And those, like you said, those are the TVs that took two people to lift. Now yeah. you got TVs twice as big, carry, people carrying them like a trapper keeper under their armpit, walking out of Best Buy. But mm -hmm. yeah, so they but they did it brilliantly because it, it it garnered sympathy for Brock, even if he was a heel. You know, you it you just if there's a fan, you're like, man, he's gonna. I don't want Big Show to be champion. <laughs> you're like, no, I want Brock to be. You know, or whatever. And but even that match that it led into was just. It's short, but it's it's well done. Like, while why Paul Heyman isn't running one of those shows to this day is beyond me. Because, like you said, well, he, he's not asking for ingredients. He's making the best of the ingredients you give him. He probably mm -hmm. is asking for stuff. He got Punk in there. He got he was with Curtis Axel for fucking five minutes. But he's mm -hmm. he's asked for guys 
but he still makes what you give him work. And right. it's, I just I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some uh, some more rain unless he doesn't want it anymore because obviously he's older. Mm-hmm. Well, like you always say, you make lemons out into lemonade. So yep. Big Show is the perfect example of a big ass lemon that he made. A tr- giant tall glasses. Cool. And this is before ECW 2.0, right? Yes, this is way before I, that. This, this, is, this is four years before ECW 2.0. So well, he obviously talk- has a soft spot for Big Show. Yeah, he does. You know, he has respect for Big Show. But also, again, like I, I think, like you said, if he's given the Big Show, Vince McMahon knew that Paul Heyman could make it work. So Vince McMahon wants Big Show to work. Vince McMahon needs this because, again, Vince McMahon loves big dudes. Not in a homo way, but he just loves big dudes. You could, have, you could have also said not in a professor way. You know what I mean? You could have said it that way, too. Shut the hell up. I don't care if we're going on a, on a hiatus. But anyway, let's talk about one of the first matches in this untapped potential greatest rivalries, TW. Like you said, the, these matches lasted like from a range of 10 minutes to 20 minutes but it made an indelible mark in the history of the of these rival of this rivalry between the the Big Show and Brock Lesnar. So we got to go back to Survivor Series 2002 in Madison Square Garden in front of 20,000 people. Brock Lesnar's coming in being represented by Paul Heyman going up against the Big Show. So again, this wasn't the main event per se TW because the main event was the Elimination Chamber. But this was one of the high profile matches and I think TW, I think the, the smart crowd in, in New York City was expecting some kind of fuck finish. But I don't know if they even expected Paul Heyman to fuck over Brock Lesnar. What say you? Because Big Show becomes the new heavyweight champion and is now being represented by Paul Heyman. It, it's, 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 again, it's the only way you make Brock a babyface. You have to get him off of him, right? You mm-hmm. can't have him with Paul unless Paul all of a sudden becomes a cheerleader and then he's not him, right? That's his whole gimmick is his, he's better than you. He speaks down to you. He's a weasel, um, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it, it it makes you hate Big Show more, right? So you get right. two birds, one stone. They do the double turn, which Big Show, everything he did. That's the other reason I said I didn't know who was the heel was the face. Brock come out to do a promo and got attacked by Big Show. That's a heel move, right? Mm-hmm. So they were absolutely it, – it's almost like how they did Brett and Sean before they did the double turn, right? It made Sean the good guy and Brett the bad guy. Actually, I'm sorry. It was Austin and Brett. Austin mm-hmm. was the heel. Brett was the face. But they had Brett whine so much that fans turned on him. And I fell for it as – as a Brett fan in the business, I was like, man, what are they? They're fucking killing Brett's heat. You know, what are they doing? But it led mm-hmm. to what I always say is my favorite ever thing in wrestling, angle, whatever you want to call it. It's so it's so organic. I don't even know if you call it an angle where Brett was cheered in Canada and booed in the States in Austin. Austin, the most popular wrestler in the fucking world, was booed in Canada if he was against Brett Hart. That's, that's brilliant stuff. And they mm-hmm. did it slowly to do the double turn and it worked and it works here too, but obviously not to the level of people cheering for big show. And well, I, I don't think here it, by the time, you know, Brock Lesnar, the people were cheering for Brock Lesnar, no matter what, even with Paul. Right. Heyman. No, I no, mean, no. people cheered Brock Lesnar in SummerSlam against rock because rock was leaving. People cheered against 
uh, people cheered for Brock Lesnar against Undertaker and Hell in the Cell. So it, it what they his representation, they booed the representation, but they cheered Brock Lesnar, so it didn't matter. Right. So going right. into this match, they CW. Right face. They knew. No, no. I, I tell you all no. the time, the, right. the easiest way to become the most popular good guy is to be the most hated bad guy first. Mm -hmm. It's the same emotion. But in this match, TW, there was a caveat because before this Survivor Series match, TW, Brock, like you said, was coming in as the underdog. But there was a reason he was he was coming in as, a, as an underdog. He was injured. He was playing the the tape. Uh, he had the tape ribs. So Big Show had a target to go after. So what say you about you know the optics of this? Big uh, Big Show trying to go after the injury that he created by throwing him off the the SmackDown stage. So the optics was there for a quick ten to fifteen minute match, and of course Paul Heyman, you know, fucking up the rain. And people were like, "Why are you gonna fuck up?" And again, this is two thousand TW, so you know we can nitpick and say, "Well, his rain lasted from August to November. That's three months." I mean, again, you calling him the next big thing, but again, like you said, like a lot of people say. The, the bell is a prop now, so, you know, it's about, about booking, it's about storyline. So what say you about the whole, you know, aura of this first clash between well, he got the and Big Show? Side yeah. note, side mm -hmm. note, as short as his reign was, his other reign that was short was the youngest champion ever. Like, the second he left like he did, they immediately, he's the reason Randy, RK, mm -hmm. bro, look, he does tie into the show. He's mm -hmm. the reason Randy Orton to this day is still the youngest world champion ever because they did not want Brock to have that honor because of how he left. They were upset right. about it. it. It felt like he did it high and dry. That They strapped the proverbial rocket to his back. And, you know, for, for all we know, I mean, taking the belt off him the way they did, if Paul had a problem with it, it, mm -hmm. it, it was the right thing to do to turn him face because – it made you hate what Paul did more because he took it from him, right? So it made sense for him to lose the belt to turn to turn good guy. Uh, and like I said, he got it back quick anyway, right? right. So, and then he and gets it, it also. Back. And remember, it, it also helps again. Big Show again uh, gets the perks of this because not only is he in the main event storyline against Brock Lesnar, the next big thing, but now he's got representation with one of the greatest managers in wrestling history. So if you're associated with Paul Heyman, you are associated at the time Paul Heyman was supposed to be the quote-unquote SmackDown general manager, if I'm not mistaken, at this time, give or take. It's a big deal that B Big Show is being involved in these A-plus storylines. I just wanted to point that out. Go ahead, finish your thought. It, it legitimizes Big Show for all this build to bring him back. Putting the belt on him legitimizes him, and it also makes you vested in Brock's now chase to get the belt back, which, again, didn't take long, and he got it back. But I, I don't have any problem with him losing the belt that way because because if you build Big Show up all the way like that, and let's, mm -hmm. let's talk about it. A year later, he's still kind of in the picture, right? Right. Give so or if take. he just loses to Brock, it's the equivalent of Lex not winning the belt from Yokozuna. Even though he didn't lose – he won mm -hmm. by countout, didn't get the belt. Lex was never the same there again. He was right. it, it would have it, all that build up for Big Show would have been for nothing. Um, you did it right. You protected Brock. It's his first loss ever. Um, mm -hmm. And now within the next year, now that he got that loss out of the way, we know that building up to these other matches that we may or may not talk about, he ends up tapping the Kurt Angle. He loses to Taker. He so he can lose now because you you've gotten rid of the shit. How long do we make him undefeated? Right. Because mm -hmm. 
if we're being fair, you know, I throw a lot, I throw a lot of fr- uh, praise to WWE or Vince McMahon specifically, and a lot of shade, if you will, to the competitors. Um, if, if if we're being fair, Brock is their Goldberg. You know, five mm-hmm. years later, but he's their Goldberg. And if you keep him undefeated too long, then you look blatantly like you're creating another Goldberg, and then you run the risk of people not liking him and hating him. And the good thing about him was he's a heel. I think he, he might have been faced when he first came out, wasn't he? Or did he come out with Paul Heyman right away? He came out with Paul Heyman right away. Perfect. So they did it right. They mm-hmm. they did the right way. You make him a heel first. So if they do reject him, he's already a heel anyway. It doesn't matter because look what happens with Rocky. Look what happens with Cena. Look what happens with Reigns. If just the fans feel like you're pushing a guy on them, mm-hmm. they push back. They don't. They don't. So Brock was just well done. It's kind of funny, and we'll talk about the second match. Your favorite, your your greatest moment uh, of this rivalry in a second. Actually did them in out of order, by the way. No, no, I, I know. I'm just saying, but I'm, we're going to talk about that no matter what. But right. I just want to say this because again, we're going on a summer break, so it doesn't matter to me. But you can always come at me at my Twitter at PWSPROF. But dude, slide right into them DMs. Of course they do, but then they get rejected because you no. know they're heartbroken. You know, either way, no, I don't time. care. One at a time. Yeah, one at a time. But anyway, TW, you talked about, like, you know, WWE not trying to create a Goldberg clone. But guess what? There's a Brock Lesnar clone right now in 2020, Deuce. His name is Parker Boudreau. He's got a nice look, TW. Don't get me wrong. He's got the tattoo. I disagree 100%. No, 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 no. Let me just say my piece. I'll say this. I'll say this. But, His look now is better than the shaved head version of him. He looks like the eyes have hills, but I I give you that. But representation matters, right? Right. Brock Lesnar debuts with Paul Heyman, so you cannot get any better representation. You cannot get a better showing. Parker Boudreaux's kind of a representation from the NXT side. You had Joe Gacy, and he was a ball headed dweeb. On the AEW side, he's in this group called the Trustbusters with Sonny Kiss, a guy named Slim J, and Ari Davari. TW, you're you're killing this guy's Parker Boudreaux's thunder has been been killed by two organizations, and he right. doesn't even realize it. Right. That is what representation means. You gotta present if you think that somebody is your next big thing, if you think that this person Male or female, no matter what, TW, is going to be your next big thing for the next five to ten years, TW. Representation matters. Brock Lesnar from the jump, that representation mattered, and look where he is to this day. One of the mo- Again, he's a professor's perspective, uh, wrestler of the decade for the 2010s. That means something. But Parker Boudreaux, in the first six months that I've seen him on TV, TW, representation on two organizations has been to shit that I don't really care about. Agree, disagree, I have a different take. So you, you just opened up a can there. Uh, I did. When when the WWE thinks they have the next big thing in you, and less than a year later they release you, mm-hmm. there's a reason, right? Right. And that's, I think, inevitably going to be AEW's downfall because I, I hear what you're saying where they've already fucked up with them. But I think Tony Khan's reason for signing him was he bought into the hype that they had when they were calling him the next Brock Lesnar. 
So the mm-hmm. second he got his hands on him, he's thinking he's picking up a fumble and he's going to run it back for six, right? But mm-hmm. the reality is, I'm telling you right now, like, when they said he was the next Brock and I saw pictures of him, like, oh, he looks like him a little bit. But there was, like, just a random picture. Once I started seeing him, he's in fucking awful shape. Uh, he might be big, but he mm-hmm. ain't in shape, right? Right. Uh, the only thing that's really Brock about him is that albino look he has to the color of his hair and eyebrows and that shoulder pose. That's it. You take those two things away, and I've seen him wrestle on either Rampage or whatever. I don't even know if he wrestled. I think he just got in there and pummeled somebody. But there's mm-hmm. there's two things I don't like about it. Um, again, who they put him with. When they put him and Devari together, they may as well sign Curtis Axel, too, because it was all the guys that got released that week. And then they put him with a guy nobody knows, and then they add the person that hasn't been on TV in two years who just got through bitching about not being on TV as their fourth member. It's the oddities. The four of them together are the oddities, and he's not very good. Have you, have you paid attention to that part? I I paid attention to it. That's why well, I said. I think, the- I think whoever caught him, be it Hunter, Triple H, or whoever's the trainer down there, I think it's A-Train, I think they looked at him and said, dude, this dude doesn't have it. And and they knew it. They invested in him, probably very minimal. They probably didn't give him tons of money. They discovered him. He didn't. It's not the other way around. But mm-hmm. I think they just said, yeah, this, this guy's just not getting it. That's the reason he's a henchman and not the worker, right? That's the reason he's with Gacy, who well, right probably is the best talker in NXT right now. Right. Um, right now, he's he's the monster in AEW, but again, representation to me matters CW. Right. If, if, the, if the big plan, okay, we'll talk about one they got right, Wardlow. They put mm-hmm. him with good people, and now he's right. a baby face on his way to being their most popular guy. I don't know if they'll ever get that status, but he's on his way to it because they did that right. You bring mm-hmm. Parker, but put him with MJF. Like, put him with uh, whoever is the heel that that you know, I don't even know who the heels are. And everyone's a good guy in AEW. I don't even know who the bad guys are. There's, um, there's no such thing. But I just wanted to say that. I, I mean, we're, you're right. I don't, you're right. Yeah. They, they, they've already set him up to fail because if he couldn't handle the slow build in the WWE system, how's he mm-hmm. going to handle the fast track out of the pan into the fire for AEW? Well, again, he looks can't... awkward and uncomfortable every single time. I've seen him on there two or three times now. He looks absolutely uncomfortable, like he has pressure on him. We're not trying to predict the future reflection ice, but we're trying to predict the future. We just don't I'm see gonna predict But anyway. In 20 years from now, we're not going to be doing a rivalry with Parker versus anybody on the podcast. Uh, not gonna be a- I, I guess you're going to be right about that. But anyway, neither here nor there. Let's talk about the second match out of this. Do you want to talk about the ring imploding, or do you want to talk about Judgment Day? Your call. So you, you got me watching the ring imploding, and they're giving me the finish for the damn next match that you had me watch, which is Judgment Day. And I'm like, did he do this twice? And then I had to look up the, the dates. Judgment Day was May. The ring breaking was June. And I'm like, damn it, Professor. You, right. you, you blew kayfabe on me. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't really, really need to talk about the matches. Uh, again, well, another Again, thing. well, you know what? Judgment Wait, Day first. I want to talk oh, about Judgment yeah, Day that- Let's talk about Judgment Day because that one is a bigger match. And, of course, again, the timeline for Brock Lesnar's push. Again, like you said, Brock Lesnar wins Royal Rumble. Big Show loses the title to Kurt Angle. And, of course, they were building WrestleMania with uh, Brock and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. And, and of course, we don't need to talk about that. Let's get – but these guys, 
had some unfinished business, if you will, Reflection Night. So in May of 2003, at Judgment Day, it was Brock Lesnar versus The Big Show in a... You could call it false count anywhere. You could call it last man standing. You could call it ambulance match, TW, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it. we'll call it a last man standing match. Wasn't so it TW, a stretcher match? Say what? Wasn't it the stretcher match? Well, you could call that too. But anyway, it, you know how WWE kind of merges a lot of matches into one. So everything counts. It wasn't, well, a, it but, at least one thing, it, sure. it, but at least one thing, but at least one thing, it, it wasn't a casket match. That that's that's for damn sure. So it, it was like four other matches. But anyway, TW, let's talk about this last man standing. Like you said, or stretcher match. The stretcher was in play. Chairs were in play. The announce table was in play. A tractor was in play. So let's say TW about I, all these gimmicks being used. It was awesome, and this is what I mean by this. Like this is the stuff that makes it watchable. Because again. If you tell me Big Show's in a match, I'm probably not running to my TV. And I, I think I think this is the pinnacle. Just to give credence to this podcast topic, it's the pinnacle of his career. It's better than anything he did in WCW, in my opinion. It's better better than anything he did in WWE. I think when he first got to WWF, um, you know, he had the momentum and whatever, and that was good. But as far as an ongoing thing, it this was his best work to me. And because, mm-hmm. like I said, he could have matches because he could get in there with a guy who could throw him around. Normally, that's not the case. Undertaker didn't even throw him around. Undertaker just did clotheslines, punches and kicks. Right. Brock mm-hmm. wrestled him. Kurt Angle right. wrestled him like Brock made Kurt Angle, you know, able to have matches with Big Show. So this whole era of Big Show, which, by the way, I've always hated that name. But every mm-hmm. time you said Paul White, I've hated that even more. So I it's a they should have just been the fucking giant, damn it. But uh but anyways, um this copyright, match, you know that. It's copyright. They just beat the shit out of each other, man. They just pummel each other. They well, how the hell did they have copyright on the giant when the WWE had Andre the Giant? I don't I don't get it. Because it was Fuck, Andre oh, in oh, front Gigante. of it. See, that's different. Call him El Gigante again, or give him the French name, uh, Gigantor, whatever, that's Mexican. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just, it, it's it's a crazy match. It's funny that we would watch this, because I actually forgot about this, but recently Brock brought out another high-low and lifted the ring up in the match with, with uh, Roman. So right. it's almost like if you watch this match, and if you look at the, the state of Brock over the years, he almost turned into... Austin Engel, where bringing prop trucks and vehicles and stuff to the ring, and and this match is, I just but that's what, but TW, that's what they wanted out of Brock Lesnar. This is why, again, not only being called the next big thing, but Vince McMahon looks at Brock Lesnar and he sees, I got something here for the next ten years with Brock yeah. Lesnar because he's come. I think he was twenty four coming in to. Uh, on the main roster in 2002. So, you know, 2002, he's 24 to 2012. He would be 34 at the time. He could have had a 10-year dominant Hulk Hogan-esque, Rock-esque, Cena-esque run. If it wasn't for, you know, Brock Lesnar leaving, you know, in 2004, where would Cena be? But that neither here nor there. That's another story for another day. But TW, like you said, with this match, the cat, you know, there was actually a little twist with this kind of ending because, you know, Big Show beat up a lot of people, too, before he got to Judgment Day. One of the people that Big Show beat up, Reflectionites, was little Ray Mysterio Jr. 
He beat the shit out of him. He long darted him. You know, he did the punch <laughs> on him. But of course, Rey Mysterio is that little gnat, that little cockroach that would not go away from the big show. So Rey Mysterio, uh, TW, played an integral part of Big Show losing this match because, of course, it uh, distracted Big Show enough for Brock Lesnar to use the tractor, put him on the stretcher, elevate him, and take him to the back. So, T.W., let me ask you this from a hindsight booking perspective. Did Rey Mysterio uh, sully a great match, or was it, I guess, as long as it makes sense, he was needed for this finish? Uh, that's what I was gonna. Have, I was, what I was alluding to earlier when I thought, okay, Brock is the full-on babyface here. He goes to mm-hmm. the back to get the tractor, which leads the opening for Ray to come out to immediately get his ass kicked. But mm-hmm. he did the six one nine to his belly. I actually think they should do this more because the crowd reacted to it. The uh, finish didn't happen because of Ray. Wait a minute. Uh, what do you mean, do more of? Okay, so is this a general statement, or are you just talking about this match? No, what, what you're talking about specifically, Rey Mysterio coming out. Oh, mm-hmm. I was waiting for Benoit to come out next because Benoit was on that stretcher. He had names on the stretcher, but it wasn't crossed off because Brock saved Benoit. So oh, okay. it's weird the timing of, of Rey coming out because he didn't come out like almost every other babyface, like even Bret Hart coming out in WCW to restart the match because he said, you're not screwing Sting like they did me, you know, whatever. That's mm-hmm. usually the, the other babyfaces coming out to save the baby face. Ray came out to, to use a wrestling term. He went into business for himself. He didn't come out to help Brock. He came out mm-hmm. to get revenge on big show and they did it perfectly. It was also a stall spot. So Brock had time to go get the tractor, right? Yeah. Otherwise, why wouldn't he be counted out? Even though it's not, not count out. So anyway, but what I like about this is normally that situation it's a heel interfering and beating up the baby face even more. When, Mm -hmm. if you think about big picture, you just said it. Big Show beat up a lot of people leading up to this match. There there should be more wrestlers coming out who have nothing to do with the other baby face. They're there because of their hatred for the heel, so they're not trying to help them. They're They're trying to get retribution for, you know, Big Show messing them up. Almost like the, the closest they do to coming to doing this on a regular basis is mm-hmm. when, like, I think they did it to Nia Jax um, in the Royal Rumble where everyone's fighting, and then when a person comes out, everyone stops and goes, my enemy's enemy is my friend. They all mm-hmm. turn and beat that person up. Uh, wasn't it, was it China in the Royal Rumble where all the dudes gave her their finishers before tossing her over the top rope? I think Randy Orton gave her the RKO. If it wasn't China. No, that, was, that, was Nia. that was Nia Jax. That was Nia doing the guy battle role. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, yeah. that stuff, because if you pay attention and you listen, mm-hmm. the crowd eats it up. They love it because it's come up. And, and that's and that, inevitably, that's what a wrestling fans want. They want the guy who they don't like to get mm-hmm. their ass kicked, guy or girl. And they do it, and the people like, yay, you know? And so that match the other day... Uh, uh, what's his name? Drew versus Kevin Owens. And they did something that is sadly lacking in both AEW and WWE. And a lot of, I mean, I'm sure it happens in NWA and MLW too. Impact maybe. I don't know if it happens in Impact because Scott Demore would would correct it. But 
These guys go out and have matches, and they never, ever look to the crowd to either tell them to piss off or, hey, come on, let's go. They might do it coming to the ring, but once the bell rings, they wrestle, and they never include the audience into the match. When If mm-hmm. you look at guys like The Rock, and you look at guys like uh, even CM Punk, fuck it, I'll give him some credit. He stole it from The Rock. But when they just side-eye the audience before doing something, listen, the crowd responds every time they love it they eat it up and and so when you have ray come out and do the 619 it might be one of the biggest pops of the match when he does mm-hmm. it and then he immediately gets his ass kicked and the crowd's like damn it now we need brock again right so brock comes out with the high low and then dives off of the fucking pallet into the ring onto him and the crowd goes banana for that so mm-hmm. this listen listen to the 70 you listen to this this is the one match, if not all the ones we're talking about, this is the one to go watch. It's just so well done. And it's the finish is a rib. I just watched a big show commentary or whatever, or it was it might even be Billy Gunn and Road Dog talking about it. I watched one of theirs. Brock, it was Big Show. He said he, he's afraid of heights and, and he was pissed at Brock. And just laughed at him like ha, 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 you <laughs> But it's so it's so well done. Like and mm-hmm. again, if you would have told me 20 years ago, because I didn't see it live, if you would have told me 20 years ago that I would ever have that much praise for a Big Show match, not because I don't like him, I don't have a problem with him at all. I just don't think he's particularly good at wrestling, right? He's he's good at being a wrestler, like you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I loved him as a monster heel, and that's what he is here, but he's having him and Brock. I'm so glad you decided to pick this one, so thank you, A&E, for, for stealing the other one he wanted to do. <laughs> I see Big Show in a whole nother light. Like, I constantly Ooh. add figures to my repertoire, and you've got me damn near thinking about adding a Big Show figure to my collection, because... Why this, not? This series it's a, of matches, It's apropos. At this point, I got I definitely got guys in there that I wasn't a huge fan of growing up as a kid. Just respect factor, right? Mm-hmm. So, but he just... This is his best work. I can't say it enough. The Big Show in this feud for a year, because the, the match that we watched last is almost a year after Survivor Series where he wins the belt from... from uh, Well, a year after uh, SummerSlam, but neither here nor there. But before we talk about that match, which was more of a gimmick match to build something else, Reflectionites, let's talk about the moment right. that ingrained in TW's brain, and it was a SmackDown match from June of 2003 between The Big Show and Brock Lesnar. doesn't matter what happens before it. All that matters is you got up there and you got a superplex off the top rope and the ring imploded. Now, again, TW, is it original in the, in the terms of doing something gimmicky to the ring? No, because years before that, I have to give credence to ECW. Taz was put through the ring by Bam Bam Bigelow at ECW Living Dangerously. That's one example of the well, ring imploding. It was 1998. What about it, when Big Show chokeslammed somebody through the ring? Undertaker. That was something. 1999 on oh, a Monday Night Raw. He chokeslammed The Undertaker. Again, a great example of trying to put a rocket ship to The Big Show. And again, that was one of those quick moments, those quick evolution of, of going up the mountaintop, if you will, for Big Show. That's a good example, TW. But again, doing something gimmicky to the ring has already been done. 
So again, I guess with this match, TW, we don't have to talk about the finish. Well, we don't even have to talk. It's a rivalry between these two. They beat the hell out of each other. So the question, I guess the question to Vince McMahon, if I'm reading his mind, if you will, TW, is how do I top a, a, a holy shit moment? Implode the whole ring. And like you said, maybe conspiracy theory during the match, all the little, you know, WWE workers are below are gimmicking one side and loosening it up to make sure that the ring implodes at just the right time and at the right, you know, segment. And like you said, the ring imploded with about three minutes before they went off the air, TW. So we could talk, we already, you already talked about the conspiracy theory. I kind of agree with you with, when in terms of people working underneath the ring, I think they worked on it during the match to loosen it, to make it easy. Oh, because if, if you did that before, like, let's say three matches before it, or during an intermission or during a commercial break, you, you're going to fuck up other matches. You don't want to do that. So I think they did it during the match. That's just my hindsight. What say UTW about they this? They did anything. They had to do it. I was at a show. My first show in the States was Sabu versus uh, Tuco Scorpio, and they broke the ring, and that shit wasn't planned, and they wrestled for fucking 10 more minutes with no ropes. It was, mm-hmm. it was ugly, but they made lemonade out of lemons because the crowd ate it up, and the ring just broke now just so you know a lot of these rings you the ropes are tension but there's a tension wire under it too right so they could easily and this is what they would have to do while those guys were getting on the top rope on the one side of the ring you easily could have had two guys slip underneath and just release that tension cable under the ring and mm-hmm. you'd never even see anybody working on the ring now right. if that happened today somebody would have phone, uh, cell phone footage of the person going under the ring to do it, right? Because people are recording on all sides nowadays. But I get you. I still think part of me still thinks it broke because to 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 get what you said Vince wanted, uh, how do I top a holy shit moment uh, with the with the pallet, the high-low mm-hmm. stretcher, the superplex alone would be a holy shit moment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen matches. Chris Benoit superplexed the mummy. And I, I'm saying, hold your thought. Let me just say this. The holy shit moment to me is like Brock Lesnar F5's Big Show. That's a holy right. shit moment. Right. Brock Lesnar body slams Big Show. It's a holy shit moment no matter what. Right. You get to Judgment Day, the stretcher match, you got the tractor. You even said to yourself, Brock Lesnar went off the tractor to jump on Big Show. Holy right. shit moment. But, of right. course, he does his F5s, he does the suplexes or whatever the case may be. So the holy shit moment might not be the superplex. But the holy shit moment to me would be what does that what does that result happen? You know, what does the result entail? And to to implode the ring with a superplex spot says it, you know, it's but I'm all, saying all, there, all in one potential that he just thought the superplex would get the holy shit pop because Benoit did it to the mummy ten years earlier, five years earlier, and it okay. got a holy shit pop. Because mm-hmm. Benoit's a lot little or smaller than the big sh- or whatever the hell his name is, Brock. And he mm-hmm. stood on the top rope. It wasn't like a regular second rope suplex. He stood on the top rope and superplexed the Yeti or whatever the hell he's called. Anyways, um, but the re- the other thing that makes me think it legit broke is the commentators were kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Cole says, man, such a shame this match ended this way. Like, he didn't know what else to say, and that's legit what you would say. Like, damn, this was going good, and the ring broke. 
But then it begs the question, well, it conveniently broke. And then they got 87 guys in the ring checking on both of those guys. That could mean either or. If either mm-hmm. A, somebody really got fucking hurt, or B, they're like, all right, we got to make this look serious. Send everybody we got back here out there to check on those guys. But I think it's damn conceivable that the superplex was the move the move they were doing just to get the holy shit moment. And then because the ring looks like it snaps. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like it just imploded. It they hit and then there's a pop and then it implodes. So it it definitely could be either or. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't gimmicked any more than I would be if it was. Well, you know what? I would say this again, I'm going on its gimmicked and I think Vince McMahon Maybe before, you know, the uh, the Alzheimer's kick starts to kick in a couple of years later, probably only told Big Show and Brock Lesnar, maybe Paul Heyman, keep this to yourselves. Didn't tell Michael Cole, didn't tell Taz, because then he's smart enough not to, you know, be over meticulous about what to say, how to say. I think for the moment, he'd be like, let me just not say nothing. Let's see what their natural reaction is, because, again. Why, even though this wasn't a live SmackDown TW, you got a natural reaction from Taz saying, holy shit. So he got a rea- He got the reaction he needed from his commentators. I'm sure he did not instruct Taz to say, holy shit. Not because, right. again, the company's publicly traded. It's a publicly traded company. You got sponsors. You got marketing and all this stuff. But he needed to make it believable that even they didn't know. That's why I say maybe a few knew. And that's, you know, who did you learn that from, Vince? You learned it from Paul because Paul is the king of only telling a couple of people and trying to, like, keep the mystique from everybody else. That's why I think it's still a, it was gimmick, but I think very few knew about it. And you got the natural reaction from Tash. You got the natural reaction from Cole. The timing is just, it was three minutes before. It was, it's just too gimmicky to the professor. But to me, I didn't know it wasn't live, so that kind of changes a little bit, in my opinion, on it. But if you gimmick that ring, even if it's something that they have to pull a pin on later on, because the next match we watch, the ring is black. So it's a completely different ring the next time, right? So, uh, because I think they had a SmackDown ring, a Raw ring, and a pay-per-view ring. And... Well, again, this was, they, you know, for 2002-2003, they were trying to have a brand split right, as right. best as they could. So it was a I'm just giving you, I'm just answering your question. Blue blue ring that broke. The posts were blue. The mm-hmm. the Judgment Day one was black. And the, and the uh, shit, wasn't the, oh, the other one was SmackDown too with the, th- the triple threat. But anyways, the reason mm-hmm. I, I just think if it was live TV, it, it, there's just too much risk to a gimmick ring breaking too soon because if it's live and i know this from being at aew when they had to break down the the dynamite set to do the rampage set it took 40 minutes so if you Mm -hmm. have a two-hour live show and that was after live went off the air if you have Mm -hmm. a two-hour show and the fucking ring breaks during fucking matt hardy versus christian you just lost 40 minutes bringing a new ring in there or fixing that ring right whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. um and that's if you can fix it, because if it's if it's a fucking bolt that snapped in a in a weld, you're you not. You can't fix it. You're not. So you'd have to bring mm-hmm. a whole other post out after finding out which post broke or two posts, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure they got spare parts, but so the the risk of that happening. Now that you say it's not live, then yeah, I mean Hollywood does stunts, but in Hollywood they only film 
when they're imploding the ring. They don't have a mm-hmm. fucking 10-minute match before they implode the ring. You, you absolutely you absolutely right. Maybe the match happened like an hour before it, and then they did what they had to do, edit it, or did what the 40-minute fix-up, so this way the, the SmackDown show can continue. But it right. wasn't live. So, again, neither here nor there. So let's close... On one more match in this greatest rivalries edition, but but it was a it was a storyline driven match that they were more of the fillers of it. But of course, I, I gave it to you, TW, because again, it's the big show, it's Brock Lesnar. But now they add a third person into the mix, and of course, that's the Dead Man, the Undertaker. And of course, this was a triple threat to see who was going to be the number one contender to the WWE Champion, which was held at the time by Kurt Angle. And, T.W., when you add The Undertaker, you add a triple threat. Again, you know, the stars align, you could say, because, again, this is, this is Undertaker at his, you could say, at his prime. You know, the, the, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, shut, you know, his body wasn't shutting down just yet. That would take another couple of years. But The Undertaker delivered here. Big Show delivered here. And, of course, at the end, The Undertaker becomes the number one contender by hitting the last ride on who? Brock Lesnar, just like you said earlier, you have to get the loss out of the way so this way you don't look at it. It's not he's not undefeated. It's believable that he can be defeated, but it doesn't stain it doesn't stain Brock Lesnar's stock. It doesn't stain his momentum. It doesn't stain you know the the rocket push to the moon. What say you, TW, about this triple threat match and the all best, the variables in between? The best part of this finish, right, is mm-hmm. is the fact that. They did what I thought they should have done leading up to that superplex. Big Show mm-hmm. should have done something successfully up there to to show why he would even go there in the first place in the match with Brock, right? So right. in this match, now we've already seen the superplex, so now everyone thinks it's coming again, right? Uh-oh, here mm-hmm. we go again. But it gets stopped, and they don't do it, and that's genius, right? It's got to be mm-hmm. Paulie. He knows. Let's tease another superplex. And they also teased another move. You probably didn't even catch this. Uh, What's that the, move called? They did it. They, I think it originated in Impact, but apparently it didn't because I don't know if Impact was around yet in 03, but uh, at least not that. It, it, it was around in 02. Ultimate it started Nihilation. small. No, I must have missed it. You know the move where some guy's already superplexing a guy, and then another guy comes in underneath and then power bombs him. So it's a mm-hmm. power bomb superplex. Right. That's what they teased. They teased mm-hmm. the Undertaker power bombing Brock while he superplexed Big Show, but instead he just gave him the last rise. And then Big Show, who didn't even have to do this, falls off the top rope to the floor head first. Like this dude just was all in. He was he was in the fucking pocket for this run. But the funny mm-hmm. part about it is, after Paul E. turned on him in that first match, Survivor Series, was it SummerSlam? Yeah, Survivor Series. After Survivor that, Series. he's never there again. He doesn't come out with Big Show in any of the matches we talked about. He doesn't come out with Brock again. Yeah, because Paul E. needs to, to be in charge of SmackDown. So then he kind of went you know, behind the scenes more, and Paul and Big Show did what he needed to do. But he, he, Paul E. served a purpose for Big Show's push on SmackDown to be one of the quote-unquote pillars of the original brand split because Big Show was a valuable cog in the wheel, if you will, TW, of the, of the first then brand split of SmackDown. Then he, got drafted, then he got drafted to ECW. But, uh, mm-hmm. but here's the fun part of this match. 
It's What's that? Brock and Big Show team up against Undertaker. So it's like they've come full circle where they weren't enemies, and now they're not enemies again, but they did it well. Brock went for that pin. Big Show got mad. That led well, Big T.W., I look at that as like, you're messing up our fight. Why right. are you jumping into our fight? Get out of here so we can right. beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, that, that's one of those old rules to me. Yep. But then the very end of it sets up Kurt Angle versus Undertaker for another Rivals. <laughs> it's like you got yeah. you, you got another Rivals right there, Taker. And, and, and part of me thought, like we talked about what Vince tells and what he doesn't tell people. Part of me thought Kurt Angle did not know who was going to win that match. Because he got in the ring afterwards and, and then said to Undertaker, this is mine. Like, they didn't have any pre-rehearsed uh, segment, right? So And then Undertaker, right. okay, okay. So I, I like that. And then Angle was stellar on commentary. He, he, was, he wasn't he was burying any of them. He put them all over, said he, he knows whichever one he fights is going to be a fight. Uh, he mentioned Undertaker wanted his ass, whatever that meant. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Um, he said, man, I don't know who's going to win this match, but I'm getting pretty amped up right now. Like, he was perfect because right. I think Jericho's book says it. He, he he called Davey Boy or somebody old, and when he got in the back and he said, listen, dude, you did nothing for our match back there. You just told everybody I was old. So if you beat me, it means nothing for you. And if I beat you, you look like the asshole that lost to the old man. He goes, that's cheap heat. It's low-hanging fruit. He goes, don't do it. He's like, mm-hmm. your, your, your goal is to build me up so that when you beat me, you look good doing it, not bury me so badly that nobody even cares if you beat me. And then if I beat you, now you just look like a schmuck. And Jericho yeah. took it to heart and then never did it again. He calls people pieces of shit. He, he talks smack about the him. Word, the word is time-honored tradition. That's what it's called. Right. You don't, you don't bury your opponent. And Kurt Angle put all three of those guys over. It was... It was good, and I, you mm-hmm. know, it was like you said. It really isn't part of the feud. This match, it just happens to be two supporting players, and and I think the, I think it's actually pretty. Again, to the seven of you who watch, who want to watch these matches, it's it's a nice send off to send them back to their thing, and then elevate Undertaker to Kurt Angle's title. You just remove the title from their feud, which you already did when Angle took it from Big Show anyway. But now they're not fighting over the belt if they continue this rivalry. They're just fighting. Because they're rivals. Right. So let's put a bow on this robberies, TW. And again, let, let's just say this. I didn't give you this match to watch, but they kind of celebrated their feud in 2014, if you will, TW, because, you know, Brock Lesnar and Big Show had a, I think it was a, it was either a number one contenders match or one of them was the champion. I think Brock was the champion going in. I'm not too sure at Royal Rumble, but it was a match before Undertaker. It was a match before Brock Lesnar got to conquer the streak. But, again, they were trying to uh, celebrate the feud. But, again, by that time, TW, Big Show, I don't want to call him an afterthought, but like you said, he got comical. He just wasn't the same Big Show as 2002. So He, be- he became an attraction because he wasn't featured. He right. just showed up every now and again when they needed a big guy. So what say you as to put a bow in – how instrumental that these two needed each other at the perfect time, at the perfect opportunity, at the perfect situation. A brand split, remember that, number one. Number two, Big Show needed 
the next big thing more than I think Brock Lesnar needed him unless you have a different take. But put a bow on this rivalries edition, and then we can I get think, out of here I, for our summer break. Again, it was a perfect storm. Some You had to reestablish Big Show. If you're going to do the brand split and you want him to be a pillar, then you got to fucking wash him. you got to clean him up, put him through the laundry, mm-hmm. and legitimize him again. And they did that. But also, I think Brock, being the youngest world champion ever, beats The Rock, ends up in matches with Taker, Angle, and all of them. But Big Show's the one who legitimized Brock. You know, even obviously beating The Rock legitimized him. But like you said, because of smart fans – People knew The Rock was leaving, so it was almost like an un, unearned uh, world title, right? Mm-hmm. So, because, oh, they had to put it on somebody, and they don't build enough stars. And, you know, you can fucking use the, today's tweets to describe that year. Oh, Austin left, then The Rock, and you got nobody because you don't build stars. Bullshit. We're fucking 20 mm-hmm. years later, and we're talking about John Cena, Roman Reigns, CM Punk. We're talking about a lot of guys who were nobodies at this time who are now somebodies or became somebodies. But I think Brock needed Big Show just as much because, again, it's easy to throw around Rey Mysterio. It, you know what else I want to say? I can't believe I didn't say this earlier. You know what is ap- absolutely underrated? What? Brock Lesnar selling. When he takes the leg drop from Big Show in two of the four matches we watched, he does mm-hmm. like a kick-out bump. Like, like it's beautiful, and it makes Big Show look like a fucking monster, right? Because right. Brock is a monster. When he takes those clotheslines from Big Show, they're so stiff, but he still goes up in the air and then bumps from up in the air. He doesn't just fall down and take, like, a, like, like a snapmare clothesline, like where a guy just bumps right away from contact. He goes mm-hmm. up in the air, and it looks like he ran into a brick wall. His selling is a thing of beauty, and to his credit, that's why I'm glad I finally... Got him in my little Hall of Fame over there. Even though he's an active wrestler. He's in the active wrestling show, not the Hall of Fame show. But I read the other day, it was his idea for Goldberg to squash him. Mm-hmm. It was his idea. And 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 the one thing I took out of this, you, you're never going to believe this. You ready? He's business-minded. No, no. not Yeah, but no. I what? finally think it took this rivalry to make me think, in hindsight, Austin should have done that job on Monday night instead of walking out. I was always on Austin's side for the last 20 fucking years. But looking back, if Austin knew what brought That's a big hindsight, EW. That's a very big hindsight. I'm saying in hindsight. At the time, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm 100% behind Austin for that. Mm -hmm. Like, what? And Austin's self-preserving. Like, if he does this, I'm nothing now, right? He, He saw that. I don't know that right. he would have ever been nothing. They would have just done heel face turns again to get him back up. But mm-hmm. he wasn't all much long after this anyway. So I think in hindsight, and I think Austin's even said this, if he had to do it over again, he would have done it. Because, right. A, he wasn't around much longer. And, B, if you knew what Brock was going to go on to become, you would have been the catalyst for it. Like, you were the guy that sent him on his way if you did it. And didn't Flair right. do it instead? Uh, No. He, Hogan did it, too. He made him believe. No, but the match that Austin just went on home, he, instead of coming to Raw, he went home. Flair ended up doing it that night. I forget who the, the substitute wrestler was, but it could have been Flair. But, it, you know, Flair would do anything for the business. Right. So right. with that being said, Reflectionites, we closed the summer out in style, in PWR style, as we do a rivalries edition with the big show and Brock Lesnar. So TW, 
Let's give out those socials one more time before we get out of here on a summer hiatus, and then we'll be springboarding to the new fall season at the PWR podcast here at pwsnetworks.podbean.com. Give out those socials. Let's get out of here. All right. The Pro Wrestling Coalition Network is at pwcnetwork at podbean.com. And then you have bigvetobrand.wixsite. Is that what it is? Wixsite, yeah. Mm -hmm. WIXSite.com or Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. Big Ray is at Big Ray Hernandez. That's our dude. I had to defend him on the TikTok to some asshole girl who goes by she, her, they, them. I don't know how that works. But she got on him for recording some dude getting high at the subway. Like like Ray was the bad guy for having to be subjected to this guy at 1 a.m. in the morning. And Ray already told me he appreciated what I wrote. So Because I, the one thing I like about TikTok is it's mostly friendly. I mean, there might be videos making fun of stuff, but the people using it are mostly friendly. So when I saw that, it rubbed me the wrong way. So at Big Ray Hernandez, you, that's you really TikTok. think TikTok's friendly? I've seen a site called Libs of TikTok, and those are some deranged people on TikTok. Yeah, well, I don't follow that <laughs> shit. I'm talking about the regular ham and eggers like you and me. I watch that stuff. That's funny. Oh, okay. I sit around on my couch doing the filters all the time now. It cracks me up, but it's a mm -hmm. fun place. So I don't, I don't like. You know, if, if it says libs of TikTok, then it's gonna, it's it's asking you to come there to be an asshole, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just I'm saying, gonna, I, I've seen I, oh. I've seen those. I'm just saying, right? Get into there. The ones I interact, it's fun shit. It's people doing silly things like cooking foods, like because they saw someone else cooking. But anyway, Big Ray Hernandez, follow him at TikTok and Twitter with that handle at Big Ray Hernandez, and then. Ours, of course, is at PWR Reflection, or actually, it's not PWR, it's just PW Reflection on Twitter. And then mine are Tommy Wonder 19 is Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Snapchat mm -hmm. is Number Wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder, and then my TikTok and my friendlier Twitter are at the Tommy Wonder. Cool. And you can find me on my Twitter at PWL, so P R O F, that's PWL Prof. And of course, it's this gets uploaded, it'll be available Gooch on the PWSO Network on the YouTube. Follow my brothers in arms, the man with the documents, the man who knows it all in the political spectrum, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan, you know me, and the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at his Twitter, 8-Track Brown. And again, Reflection Act, we're going to take a little summer hiatus. We're closing the summer out with the rivalries, and we'll be opening the new fall season with what? New episodics. New movies, new spotlights, new rivalries, and of course, the next platform, Untapped Potential. You can't see that, but anyway, neither here nor there. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for the new fall season of the PWR Podcast at the pwsnetwork.com. I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Dum Dum Duel, any it's so Tommy Wonder saying. Goodbye, and we'll see you in the fall for the new and approved Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. Peace, bro.